You're listening to Biceps After Babies Radio, episode number 107. Hello, and welcome to Biceps After Babies Radio, a podcast for ladies who know that fitness is about so much more than pounds lost or PRs. It's about feeling confident in your skin and empowered in your life. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, a registered nurse, personal trainer, wife, and mom of four. Each week, my guests and I will excite and motivate you to take action in your own personal fitness as we talk about nutrition, exercise, mindset, personal development, and executing life with conscious intention. If your goal is to look, feel, and be strong and experience transformation from the inside out, you, my friend, are in the right place. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, and today we're doing another Ask Amber Anything. So these are some of my favorite episodes because we put up a post um, and ask listeners, uh, what do you want to... like? what questions do you want me to answer? And we, we typically do these around different topics. So we didn't ask any Amber anything around um, weightlifting. We did one where I did it with my husband, TJ, um, asking anything about macros. Uh, so we've done a couple of these and they've always been really fun. And we thought it would be a fun idea to do an ask Amber anything about motherhood. Um, because I'm a mom. If you didn't know, I'm a mom of four kids and that's a big part of who I am. It's a big part of why my brand is called Biceps After Babies. And when I started my company, it really was um, first and foremost in my mind that I wanted to help women understand and realize that, that their fittest days didn't have to be behind them, that it didn't have to be, oh, I ha- had kids. And so you know, now I'm never going to be able to be fit or I'm never going to be able to have abs or I'm never going to be able to um, get strong. And I wanted women to realize that they could have biceps after babies, that their fittest days could be ahead of them, regardless of if you're 20, 40, 70, 100, that there's always an ability to improve over time. And um, so motherhood is a really important part of me. It's a really important part of my story. It's a really important part of um, what makes me what I am and, and what makes my brand what I am. And so I thought it would be fun to see what questions that you guys had for me on motherhood. And um, we have some good ones. So um, I picked a couple to answer and we're going to go through these individually. So the first question, which I thought was a great question to kick off, uh, was from Jules Kirky. And she said, how old are your kids? So I have four children. I have one girl and three boys. And my girl is my oldest. So she's my firstborn. I'm a firstborn girl as well. So I'm the oldest of seven kids and I'm a firstborn child. And my husband actually is a firstborn child as well. So two firstborns married each other. He's uh, one of three. He has two other brothers. Um, I'm one of seven. So two firstborns married each other and uh, our firstborn is a girl. And boy, is she a lot like me. <laughs> it's, I don't know if it's the firstborn. I don't know if it's the firstborn girl, but it's funny because I see a lot of me in my daughter, not only in like the way she looks, but her personality as well. So that's been kind of fun as she's gotten older, but my daughter is 13 and then I have three boys and they're super fun. My husband comes from all boys. So he grew up, uh, with lots of brothers. I grew up with lots of brothers too. Uh, there's four girls in my family and three boys, but he, he really does the boy thing. So he loves having a lot of boys. I love my boys as well, but they are different from, from my daughter. And my boys are uh, 11, um, eight and six. I had to think there for a moment. So 
my kids are 13, 11, 8, and 6. And I really think we are really in kind of like a twilight magical time in our kids growing up because all of my kids are potty trained. None of them take naps. They can all swim. They can all walk themselves. We don't have to, you know, carry a diaper bag anymore or have a stroller. And yet my daughter is not old enough that like, we're not cool. So I know that she's going to get to that point where like, it's not cool to hang out with her family anymore. Uh, She wants to just do everything with her friends. Like I know we're going to get to that point, but right now, like it's still really cool for her to hang out with the family. And so I feel like we're just kind of in this really fun time. She doesn't have a job, like she's not driving and all of our kids are old enough to be able to do things. So we're really trying to enjoy this moment and do some you know, fun family vacations and things because I know that it's going to be over in the, in the blink of an eye. And um, as the kids continue to grow, it's like there's new exciting things that happen, but it also is a little sad as they get older and, and, and move on to you know, other other things and school and things like that. Anyway, that was a really long answer to a really short question, but that is how old my kids are. Okay. Um, HP 246 asked, how do you have all, how do you have time for it all? All the things, including quality time for you. Uh, and I think I'm not surprised that this question got asked because I think it's really easy to see somebody on, um, social media and think that they like do it all. But I think it's really important to define what all is, right? Because nobody can do it all, right? That's literally, we recognize that's literally impossible. And so what we've all done is we've defined what all is important to us. And um, what I have been really proud of and am really intentional about is prioritizing what is important to me and being intentional about that and not letting life prioritize it for me, but me being intentional about that prioritization. So I run a business. I have employees. We have a, a team. There's a team behind me. I pay them, right? So like my business doesn't just help support my family, but it helps support other people's families as well. So I run a business um, and I have four kids and right now we're doing hybrid learning. So that means that they're at home. And so it has had to look a little different, <laughs> with them at home than it was when they were all going to school. Um, I have a husband and my relationship with him is really important. I'm an active member of my church and, um, you know, fulfilling my church duties are really important to me as well. Um, and so I think what the most important, you know, date night and keeping the house clean, like there's all of these things that are competing for our attention. But what I think is really important to understand is that you get to decide what's most important and place your attention on that. And I think that's the biggest takeaway as I've gotten older, as I've had more on my plate, and as I've had to be more intentional is to choose what is of highest value to me and what am I going to put my time and attention to. And that looks different at different points in my life. So one of the questions I'm going to answer in just a little bit that was asked was about raising kids during medical school. But I will tell you that my life, while my husband was in medical school and in residency, looks very different than my life now. Um, I didn't have a business back then. (laughs) Like I was in the throes of like having small children. Um, and so my life looked different back then. And what I prioritized back then is very different than what I prioritize now. So I don't do it all. I don't clean my house. We hire a housekeeper or we have like maids come to be able to help clean our house. Um, my husband picks up a lot of slack around the house, especially when we are in busy times during the business. Um, I, 
I hire people in my business. I don't do everything in my business. Um, I hire people to do things for me. That's, that's an important part of how I'm able to accomplish things. So the moral of the story is I don't do it all, but I do prioritize what's important to me. And that's a really great question that you can and should be asking yourself. If you are feeling an incongruence, like if there's some resistance that comes up when you think about things that you quote unquote should be doing or want to be doing and aren't, it's a really good opportunity to ask yourself the question, like how big of a priority is this to me? Because the real answer is if it's a priority, you make time for it. Like if something's a priority, we make time for it. And if it's not a priority, then you can actively choose not to do it. And there doesn't have to be any guilt associated with that. So let me get you an example. Some of you feel like you should be making a home-cooked meal every night. I don't know. Maybe some of you don't, but I'm sure there's somebody listening to this and I'm just using an example. Like you feel like you should make home-cooked dinner at night. And if you're starting to feel guilt or you know shame for not executing that the way that you quote unquote should, or you know think that you need to be doing, then you can ask yourself the question, like, is that my highest value? And you're going to get one of two answers. Like, yes, that is a high value. And if it's a high value, then you need to make time for it. And you will make time for it if it's a high value. And if it's not a high value, you don't have to feel guilt and shame about it. You can choose that it's not of high value and not put any time and effort into it. And so that's what I've done in, in a lot of areas of my life where I'm like, that's just not a priority to me to me today. Um, it's not a priority to me right now to clean my own house. And so I'm going to hire somebody to do that. Um, it's not a priority to have a home cooked meal every single night. Like I don't do a home cooked meal every single night. Um, and, and being in control of your life means prioritizing what's important, making the things that are important happen and recognizing that not everything can be important and those things that aren't important, letting them go. Okay, this is a good one from Katie Higby. She said, what principles and habits have you developed through macros that have spilled over to influence your mothering? And um, this also relates to another question that I got from uh, Kate Ron. She said, how have you applied your coaching tools in your role as a mother and with your children? So I think um, those are they're kind of different questions because one is saying like, how has macros helped you with your kids? And the other one is specifically about coaching. But I'm gonna kind of speak to them uh, in tandem because they have been in tandem. So one of the things that I talk about a lot is setting big goals. And um, if you haven't listened to episode number 94 on goal setting, um, it's one of my favorite ones. But I talk a lot about setting goals and how the purpose of setting goals is to help you grow. And a lot of times, sometimes we lose sight of that and we think the purpose of setting a goal is to reach it. And I want you to consider that the purpose of setting a goal is to grow, And that whether or not you reach the goal matters way less than who you become in the process of reaching for it. And so for me, that's where my macro counting and my goals that I've set in my fitness, fitness area of my life have spilled over into other areas of my life. Because when I set a big goal, like for example, in 2016, I set a goal to get a six pack. I set a goal to get a 300 pound deadlift. I set a goal to be able to do bar muscle ups. Um, So I set a goal to be able to do a powerlifting competition. Like these big goals that I set, the real value of them is who I've become in the process of reaching for them. 
And who you become in the process is who you bring into other areas of your life, including being a mother or your job or whatever. And so that has been one of the biggest things. And it's one of the things, it's like, it's a secret. Don't tell anybody. No, it's not really a secret. But one of the things that is so important with our vision for bicep, for my vision, my vision for biceps after babies and the team is like bought into this vision is this idea that, um, as we teach you things in fitness, as I help you set fitness goals and reach for them, that the person you become in the process will, you will then bring to other areas of your life. Meaning the tools you, you learn, the things you learn about yourself will cause you to be a better mother. They'll cause you to be a better community member. They'll cause you to be a better employee or business owner. Um, and that to me is what is important. And that's why what I always, I always say what I do is about fitness, but it's not about fitness because in the process of setting and reaching for goals, you become a new person and you uplevel yourself and that goes into every aspect of your life. And so absolutely have I become a better mother as I've set and achieved goals? 110%. Have I learned how to work myself through challenging situations so that I can help my kids to transverse challenging situations? Absolutely. And then in relation to coaching, oh my gosh, the better coach that I've gotten to be, the better mother I am. And you'd be... (laughs) I'd be lying if I said I don't use my like coaching tools that I use with my clients on my kids all the freaking time. In fact, we have six coaches in Macros 101 and they they always they always laugh because they tell me they're like I take them through I a coaching methodology, I teach them how to coach. We go through a whole process and they walk away from that and they're like, "Man, I use these tools all the time in my in my uh mothering." And I'm like, "Yes, <laughs> me too." Um the tools that work in coaching clients are exactly the same tools that work in teaching my children and raising my children and essentially coaching my children through life. Aren't that, isn't that really what we are as moms? We're like coaches through life. We're like life coaches for our children. Um, so yes, the ability that I've developed to coach clients definitely has translated over into uh, my ability to mother and teach my children. Okay, Tessa Claire had a really good question. She said, how do you coach your kids past diet culture influences and influences of advertising and media? So I want to be clear because this word diet culture has a lot of different meanings to a lot of different people. And so what one person says is diet culture is not what somebody else, like there's no generally recognized term of like what this term means. So I'm going to tell you what diet culture means to me um, and how that applies to like how I'm teaching my children. So to me, diet culture means feeling like your self-worth is tied up around what you look like. That to me is diet culture, that like my self-worth is tied up in what other people see when they look at me. Um, and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't think that that, like nothing is farther from the truth in, in my mind. Um, and so that's what I think of as diet culture. And so advertising that like is telling you that like your self-worth is tied up in what you look like. Your self-worth is tied up in the size of your pants. Your self-worth is tied up in uh, what weight you are. That to me is, is diet culture. Now that is very different from the empowering position that you are in to be able to set a goal, even if it's an aesthetic goal and reach it. Okay. Those are different things because you can come at that goal. So, so this, this to me is the difference. You can set a goal 
And you can approach that goal in two different ways. You can approach that goal from, I will be worthy when, I will be happy when, I will be confident when I hit that goal. Or you can approach that same goal from a, I am worthy now, I am confident now, I am love myself now, and I'm wanting to reach for that goal. Right? Do you see how those are different? Like the goal is the same, but how you approach the goal is 180 degrees different. And so I do not think diet culture is setting a fitness related goal. I think it, it all depends on where you come from as you set that goal and the thoughts you're telling yourself, the things you're telling yourself as you're reaching for that goal. Again, I believe in the power of setting a goal and that process of reaching for it, changing you. So again, whether or not I hit a goal matters way less to me than who I become in the process of reaching for it. And so it's the same thing in terms of of fitness goals. So to me, that's what diet culture is. That's my definition of it. So how do I um, instill that or teach that or model that to my children? And I think this is um, one of those things that is caught, not taught. Meaning my kids model me a whole lot more than me like sitting down and teaching them. And this was something that was definitely like reflected to me from my experience growing up. And you may have a similar experience of like how you felt and think about your body is related a lot to how your mom felt and thought about her body. Um, Because that bleeds out into the way that you talk. It bleeds out into the conversations that you have. It bleeds out into the things that you bring up. And I know many of you listening maybe have the experience where your mom was always on a diet. She was always talking about her body. She was always talking about how she you know, needed to exercise because she ate bad or whatever. And those experiences have stuck with you and have influenced what you think and feel about your body and what you think and feel about your worthiness. And so I, I think this is a great question because I know as a mom, we're wanting to pass the best things on to our children, right? We always want like better for our kids than we had for ourselves. And in the realm of body image and self-worth and confidence, that has to happen with you first because you can talk to your kids about it as much as you want, but if you're not emulating it for them, then it's not going to make as big of a difference. And so I think one of the best things that a mom can do to pass on a healthy relationship with food, to pass on a healthy body image, to pass on um, a feeling of self-worth that's not tied to what you look like is for you to get there first. Now that doesn't mean if you're not quite there yet that like, oh, you know, we just have to give up, right? Like you're just out of luck. But I think we can start to recognize that and you can start to work on that in yourself. And how valuable will it be is if you can work on that on yourself and be able to pass that along to your kids. And for a lot of moms, that is one of the big motivating factors in in creating change in themselves is because they know that they're passing habits and thoughts and beliefs onto their kids. And they don't want their kids to have the same thoughts and beliefs that were passed on to them. And so if you're listening to this and you currently struggle, that's okay. It's okay. You haven't messed your kids up. Like it's not like there's, there's always 
progress that can be made and you can always make the future better than the past. But when you start to recognize that and you start to address it and address the root cause, then you're able to pass those habits and um, ways of being onto your children, which I think is one of the most exciting and maybe scary things of being a mom is having that responsibility to pass those things on to your kids. Okay. This next one is from Aubrey Werner. And she said, how would you help a child under 10 deal with negative self-talk? So one of the things with negative self-talk now, okay, let me, let me couch this a little bit. Children come to the earth with personalities and if you've been around enough kids for long enough and seen enough parents, you start to recognize that, yes, there's absolutely power in like good parenting. There's absolutely power in raising your kids a certain way. But at the end of the day, I think it's really important to understand that kids come with personality. There is some like nature involved in your, in your child. And so um, I think it's really important to not necessarily wrap our self-worth up in how our children turn out because, um, that's really, it can be really damaging to like wrap your self-worth in. Like if my kid succeeds, that means I was a good mom. And if they don't, then that means I was a bad mom. And I think it's really easy as much as we talk about, and I even just, just related how our children catch what we do rather than like more of it is caught than taught. Um, but at the same time, like you can't necessarily blame your child's choices on yourself. So the first question I would be asking myself is how do I talk to myself, right? If I'm noticing that my child has negative self-talk, how do I talk to myself? And if I'm trying to like assist my child in having more positive self-talk, am I coming from a place that like I've already figured that out in my own life? Or is that something that I need to figure out in my own life um, first, right? Because you can't really teach somebody to have positive self-talk if you yourself aren't quite there, which is where we go back to this idea that if you're struggling with something, like that's fine, like, but work on it. Like work on yourself before you expect to be able to like support or help your child through it. So that's a really good place to start. It's like, what is your self-talk? And if you can do a little introspection and realize that maybe your self-talk needs a little improvement and you can focus on that, or maybe you're like, yeah, my self-talk is really good, but for some reason my child came with this personality where their default is like negative or it's a negative self-talk. Um, and if that's the case, then I think you can start to model that for them. And so our, our inner self-talk comes from our experiences with other people. It comes from like what we have been told in our lives. Our beliefs are formulated around what we've been told over and over again, experiences that we've had over and over again. And so what you can do for your child is you can start to model that positive self-talk. And um, I do this a lot in coaching, that the understanding that there is always a different perspective. And so a lot of times we're looking at life and we're labeling something problem, 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 awful, 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 bad, 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 right? And what we can do for our children is we can model changing that perspective. Instead of it being a problem, how is this an opportunity? Instead of this being bad, how could this be a benefit for us, right? And so what you can start to model is model that perspective shift when that negative perspective comes up, if there is a negative perspective, there has to be a positive perspective. Like that's just how the world works. It's a, there's a duality in everything in the world. Um, the law of duality. 
if there is a negative perspective, there has to be a positive perspective. And what you can do is you can start to model that positive perspective for your child. So when they come up and they say something negative... (laughs) you can model what it looks like to take that and to look at the positive side. And the more that you do that and the more experience that your child has with that, that will translate into their inner self-talk. Now, you can't be in your kid's head. So, uh, but what is in your kid's head will be reflected in how they are speaking and what they are doing. And so you can start to see how that is shifting over time as you see how the language that they use, um, what they default to when they look at a situation. Do they default to the negative or do they default to the positive? Um, and that can be a powerful way to approach that. Okay, Annika Shemway said she's anxious about raising children while her husband is in, in medical school and any advice. So though, for those of you who don't know my story, um, I graduated with my degree in nursing. My husband graduated with his degree in neuroscience and he then ended up going to medical school. He spent four years in medical school at time, at which time I worked as a nurse. And then he spent four years in residency um, and three years in fellowship. And now we're finally done with training <laughs> 11 years later. And um, he's been out of training now for three years. So we're post, we're post training, but it's a long road. And for any of you who have been through medical school or dental school or know somebody who has, like you know that it is a long road and it's not an easy road. There are challenges. There's great things about the path, um, but there are challenges on every single step of the journey. And we had our first child uh, at the end of our first year of medical school. We had our second child at the end of our fourth year of medical school or the middle of our fourth year. We had our third child in the middle of second year of residency and our fourth child in the middle of our fourth year of residency. So we had two children while we were in medical school and we had two other children while we were in residency. So I very much know what it's like to have children during that time when it's crazy and uh, my husband was working a lot, he was at school a lot, and then he was working a lot in residency. And it's tough. Like, I'm not going to say it's not. But I also think raising kids at any point is always tough. Like, I don't think there's a perfect time to have children. And I'm seeing some of my husband's coworkers who are just now starting to have children, you know, post-training. And it's hard for them too, right? Like, they're post-training and it's still hard, right? Every every stage of your life is going to have the pluses and the minuses. And for us, the positives of starting our family early, of having our kids while we were young, um, outweighed the fact that my husband was really busy and we were really poor. (laughs) You're really poor when you're going through medical school and you're like $300,000 in debt. Um, But the fact of having our family early, of not delaying that, of being able to be young parents to us outweighed the hard parts of him being really busy, us being really poor, us moving around a lot. That was another thing. We moved around a lot during uh, our training, um, but that was such a blessing in in the same in the same way for our children to experience and to move to new places and to get to have that experience of living in lots of different areas of the country, meeting lots of different people. So there's a lot of beautiful things of having kids during that journey. Um, was it hard? Yeah, <laughs> like it's hard. But again, I don't necessarily know that like it's ever easy. And so I think a better question to ask yourself or a, you know, a better question than like, is it hard to have kids in medical school? A, a better question to ask is like, when, you know, when do I want to have kids? When am I, when am I ready to commit to that, that process? Because it is a process 
we're still going through it. We're still raising our kids. Um, and that answer may be different for you than it was for us. But for us, we wanted to be young parents. We wanted to like raise our kids while we were young. And we wanted to be able to be in our fifties and like have the kids out of the house and be able to like continue on with that part of our life. And so for us, it made sense. Um, and I think one of the biggest, one of the biggest pieces of advice I would give you and this can be related to a lot of people, but specifically for my women listening who are spouses of doctors, med students, dental students, law students, like any of, the, of those, is one of the things that helped me the most during the journey was to release all expectations. I found if I set expectations, especially for like when my husband was going to be home, like expecting him to be home for dinner or expecting him to be home for Christmas when we're in residency... Like when I had those expectations, then I was like just setting myself up for disappointment because inevitably he would be late. Inevitably he wouldn't be home that weekend or whatever. And so I just decided that my husband wasn't ever going to be around, <laughs> that he wasn't going to be home for dinner. He wasn't going to be there on Christmas. He wasn't going to be there for any of these things. And so when he was, I was elated. Like I was excited instead of feeling disappointed when my expectations weren't met. So for me, now, this is just for me. That was something that was very valuable to me is I just released expectations as to what it was going to look like. I just decided I was going to go to church by myself all the time. <laughs> I was going to do all my errands by myself, like that I was essentially going to do everything by, by myself. And when he showed up, then I was excited and elated to have him there instead of disappointed and grumpy at him because there were nights that he would, like I really remember, I think it was second year, there were nights where he would come home at like 10 or 11 o'clock at night. The kids were already in bed and then he would leave at 5 a.m. the next morning and the kids would like go like three, four days without seeing him. That is the life of a resident, my friends. It is not fun, um, but we did make it through it and life is a whole lot better now. Okay. Renee Pohl said, how do you talk to your kids about moderation of sweets? So this is good. Um, I, a lot of what I talk to my kids about is literally what I teach and literally how I talk about food to my clients in the fact that like there isn't good and bad food there. It's just food, right? There's, it's not a good food. It's not a bad food. It's just food. And it has certain macros. In fact, it's so funny. My son was just on a, I think it was in PE and his PE teacher was like talking about food and she was going on and on and on about how bad fat is for you. And my son just finally like muted it. And he's like, I can't even listen to this anymore. <laughs> he's like, so we had a conversation. We're like, how fat isn't bad. Like fat is essential for you. You have to have fat to be able to, to produce hormones. And like, it's an essential component in your, in your nutrition. So we had a conversation, but he had already learned enough from me and from our conversations around um, food that he like heard that. And he was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like fat isn't bad. And he like was able to shut it off. Now, what makes me sad is the number of children that were listening to that and are like starting to internalize that from a young age of hearing that carbs are bad or fat is bad or sugar is bad. Um, that makes me sad, but it's why you are their parents and you're going to help to like correct that and help them to understand. So I just had a conversation in the car the other day with my daughter about the same thing, about how there aren't any bad foods, that they're just our foods. My kids understand macros. They understand macronutrients. Um, they don't count macros, but they understand that there are different things that their body needs. And they understand that you know certain foods have more protein and certain foods have more carbs and you need a combination of all of them. And so like a lot of the other stuff we've talked about today, a lot of that is caught. It's because I talk to them about it. It's because 
they, you know, I have conversations about making sure you're eating enough protein. And we have conversations about why some people weigh their food sometimes, or when my husband and I have been tracking in the past, like why we're weighing our foods coming from this place of it's not about restriction. It's about making sure that we're getting enough, that we're fueling our bodies effectively. Our kids see us go to the gym. They see us eat sweets. Like I eat treats. We go out to, to, um, celebrate and we eat ice cream. Like we eat those things with uh, them. And so they see us modeling that moderation and, um, and they, they use what they, you know, they, they see what they, they model what they see. And so my daughter has gotten to the point where she now is eating like a lot more vegetables, which is really fun. Uh, we don't push veggies on our kids. So like every dinner, we always have vegetables available and we usually will dish it up onto their plate, but they don't have to eat it. We usually say two bites, no fights, but they don't have to eat the vegetables if they don't want to, but it's always there. It's always available. And it's been really fun because recently my 13 year old daughter has taken those vegetables now more often than not. Like she's starting to become aware and just wanting to like, you know, eat the vegetables because she knows that they're healthy. And it's been fun because it hasn't been anything that we've had to thrust down her throat, but they're, they're available and they're there. And she understands, you know, that they help to make her body healthy. And then at the same time we make cookies and we eat those cookies. So to me, what you are modeling to your kids is the most important. And so if you're modeling moderation, my kids see me eat a salad and they also see me eat a donut. My kids see me eat lasagna. (laughs) They see me eat carbs and they see me eat fat. And then they see me have, you know, a bunch of veggies with my dinner as well. So that is how we've taught moderation to our children is by modeling it for them, by showing them what moderation can look like. And we don't ban anything in our house. We're not like, you know, you'll never hear me say, no, you can't have, you can't have that sweet. You've had too many sweets. Um, Instead, we're like, yeah, you can totally have that. Why don't you eat an apple first? And then you can finish that cookie. In fact, that's funny. This morning, I went downstairs. Actually, I came home from CrossFit. My son had a cookie in one hand and another cookie in the other. And he was like eating one of the cookies. And I was like, have you eaten breakfast? And he said, no. He's like, this is what I'm eating for breakfast. And I said, okay, awesome. Like, let's grab a plate and you can put that cookie on the plate. Let's have some breakfast and then you can finish that cookie afterwards. So he ate the cookie. Um, That's not like necessarily a bad thing, but he's starting to learn that like, yeah, we can eat cookies. They're not bad, but we need to make sure that we're fueling our body effectively as well. Okay. This is the last one that I'll do. And this one was from Katie Higby as well. And I loved it. She said, what is your greatest mom win? And so I kind of thought about this and I tried to, to think about what I think is, is my greatest mom win. And I don't know if this is my greatest, but it is something that I am, am proud of and that I hope my kids, um, look back on and were inspired by. And that is building my business in like at home around them, them seeing me set goals and reach for them and be able to build something that's bigger than myself. I am incredibly proud that I am showing my kids that I can be a mom and I can be a person that I can have goals and ambitions and do big things and be a really awesome mom for them and be there for them. And that it doesn't have to be an either or. And I think for in a lot of women's minds is an either or either I can be a good mom or, and I can be, I can build a business. And I think a lot of times it's like either one of those can happen, 
but they can't both happen. And I believe that I'm modeling for my children that I can be a mom and I can run a business and I can set goals and I can reach for things and and develop myself and develop my talents uh, over time. And that's always what I want for my kids. I want my kids to be able to create whatever life they want to create. I want them to feel the power that they have inside of them to achieve whatever it is that they want to achieve. And I'm really proud that I'm able to model that for my kids, that they're able to see their mom build something, that they're able to see their mom work, that they're able to see their mom celebrate hitting goals, um, and that they're able to to witness that and, and model that in their own life. So I don't know if that's like necessarily like a parenting win or like a specific moment, but I am really proud of that. I'm proud to be able to model that for my kids. And that's not to say that if you don't model that, that that's bad or anything. Um, but for me, that's something that I'm very, I'm very proud of that I can have and can do both. And that, especially for my daughter, that I can show her that, that she has talents and that if she wants to use those talents and grow that she can in any way that she wants, that she wants to do. And so that's something that I am really, really proud of. Okay. So hopefully this was fun. We got into a little bit more like personal stuff, get to know me maybe on a little bit more personal level and, um, and how I am a mom and a business owner and a coach and, and all the things. Um, this was fun for me. So hopefully it was, it was fun for you as well. That wraps up this episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm Amber. Now go out and be strong because remember my friend, you can do anything. Hold up, sister friend. Do you love Biceps After Babies Radio? If so, the best way to say thank you is to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review on iTunes. I know every podcaster wants you to leave a review, but it's because those reviews help the podcast to reach more people. And I do truly want to know what you think. If this particular episode resonated with you, will you also please share it? Either send the link to someone who would find it valuable or take a screenshot and post it to your social media and tell your friends and family why they should listen. Make sure you tag me at biceps.after.babies so I can hear your feedback and give you a little love. And you know, if you aren't already following me on Instagram or Facebook, that's the perfect time to hit that follow button. Thank you for being here and listening to Biceps After Babies Radio.